just a quick announcement before we start episode six of the Reckless Comedy Podcast. Alongside our normal sponsors, we here at Reckless Comedy will be donating money to support those currently fighting in the Black Lives Matter movement. Please, we we must ask everyone listening to please donate what they can to the Black Lives Matter movement. Links to some of the charities that are helping those in the fight for justice can be found in the description of this podcast. This episode of the Reckless Comedy Podcast is dedicated to the comedy legend Rick Mayo, who sadly passed away six years ago at the time of recording. Rick was one of our comedy inspirations and we miss him all dearly and there is a void in comedy that cannot be filled. Rick, why do you have to die, you bastard? Once again, this episode is dedicated to Rick Mel. Rest in peace, Rick, 1958 to 2014. You bastard. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Reckless Comedy Podcast. Today, we've got a, another returning guest. This time, we've got one half of the amazing team at the Lampoon Podcast. We've got Mr. Craig Parker. Hello, Hello everyone. <laughs> Hopefully, Craig will try and control himself, unlike last time. But, anyway, how are you doing, Craig? Nope. I am really good, mate. Really good. Yeah, and it's great. Everything's going really well. Yeah. Life is good. Lockdown's horrible, same as everything else, but uh, positivity okay. and all that shit. Yeah, definitely. Um, guys, if you haven't checked out the Lampoon podcast, you definitely should. Definitely go check out uh, the recent two episodes. Absolutely brilliant. Well, go check all their episodes out. They're all just as good as each other. <laughs> So go go check the Lampoon podcast out. It's absolutely yeah. Brilliant. We're maybe getting a more professional in the last couple. Yeah, yeah. It started off a bit amateur, but now it feels like a prop. It it feels more professional than mine does. <laughs> but to be honest, that's only because of Gav. That's got fuck all to do with me. Gav structures it. I get the guests on or, or speak to the guests to get them to come along, and then. Um, I'll just throw in little bits here and there, and obviously the sentence after generally, but Gav tries to pull everything together and keep it structured. Yeah, definitely. And um, obviously, if you've been listening to some of the most recent episodes, you might have heard the Reckless Comedy podcast being promoted a couple of times, but I didn't ask him to do that. Break it up, Kim, can hear you. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, that clearly. <laughs> Fuck's sake, fucking bastards. Um, okay. Your podcast off your buildings. There. Yeah. Try to fucking dip your hand in your pocket. Get your. <laughs> oh my god, this is going brilliantly. <laughs> this is going fucking brilliantly. Okay. All right. As I was trying to say, is um, if anyone's listened to the last couple of episodes of the Lampoon podcast, you might have heard a certain other podcast getting mentioned a few times. Right, your podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we're sharing guests, and we? Both make a couple of the same people. Obviously, we've got you coming on one in a couple of weeks. Yeah, which will be fun. See what chaos we can get out of that one. Do not tell me. Yeah, well, I'll send you the link to the Pornhub episodes that we've been reviewing. More oh, shows. fucking hell. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, I'm hoping this is working, otherwise I'm... But uh, on your Wi-Fi connection, it'll be the same as it used to be for me watching porn when I was 18. There'll be a lot of buffs, you know, I imagine, so... Oh, fuck yes. That's going to be no good for you. Oh, fuck yes. Trust me. It's... 
For watching porn, the internet is fucking terrible. Yeah, you need to invest, mate. You need to get your own internet, I think. And that's the way forward. You're going to be running podcasts and wanking furiously every day. Definitely need your own, like, internet. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to invest into it. Otherwise, it's going to be a case of half the guests can't hear what I'm saying, which then adds to the comedy of it. Um, I'm just yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to have buffering during two girls, one cup, mate. Oh, fucking hell, Craig. For fuck's sake. Fucking hell. I'm just saying, you want it to cut to the next scene as soon as possible really helps with the flow. Brilliant. That's utter fucking brilliant. <laughs> um, okay, so let's start talking about... Uh, That's what... the summertime one as well. They obviously use it as an ice cream. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Where did I go wrong? Anyway, let's let's uh talk about what you've been doing since you were last on the show. So yeah, what you've been doing since you were last on. Um the same as what everyone's been doing, mate. It's fucking lockdown. So I've I've not done a lot. I haven't adhered to lockdown very well if I'm honest, but I um uh, so I live with a friend of mine, so we haven't really, we don't have any vulnerable people in our lives and we interact with many vulnerable people, but we have been to, like, we were to the beach, we were in dickheads that went to the beach and um, we bought a kayak, um, I went kayaking on Sunday, which was interesting. Yes. I've never been kayaking before and I can't swim, so I bought a life jacket and we just went out in an inflatable kayaking. You know, I didn't die, so... That's a good right. thing, at least. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, some would say. The exes wouldn't. <laughs> oh, fuck it, Some hell. would. Um, so, yeah, so... I'll be honest. I've, I've never gone kayaking, but I've done a bit of canoeing every so often. I prefer canoeing to kayaking any day. Yeah. Yeah, canoeing's fun, especially if you're in the... I don't the... know what the difference is, really. You're both in a little narrow boat just paddling. Yeah, but the best What's thing... What's the difference do... between a canoe and a kayak? Um, I think it's the size of the boat, I think. I'm not too sure. I think it might Me be. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're both fucking saving, eh? I know two different names, but... Yeah, I, th I think... Yeah. Pretty much, they're just... I don't really know what the difference is. Yeah, I think they're pretty much just the same fucking thing. Um, but the best thing to do when you go canoeing... Is to sit in the back and when some say someone drops their paddle in, just fucking shake the boat. It's funny as fuck. That's why I won't go canoeing with anyone because they always do that to me and it's like, fuck you. <laughs> well, so I, I literally, I can't swim. So, like, being a dickhead on the water was like, that's just pushing it a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah. I try and, like, Trying to be good. A little canoe, like trying to fucking paddle, was a pain in the ass. I'm getting cramped in my legs, my hips, and my feet, my back. It was a killer. Definitely. Um, another thing we'll talk about is um, Craig has now started. Um, well, sort of started doing gigs again in a way after a long time. Yes. Yes, we did. Um. Yeah, so Callum, give a big shout out to Callum, uh, has organised a couple of outdoor gigs now. So the one that he started a couple of weeks back, all precinct, and he did that on his own for a couple of weeks. He's got an audience of like five to ten people that are turning up, trying to build on that. So myself, um, a comic called Nat, I can't remember Nat's second name, um, and Jim Ringed were down there on Thursday. Um, with them. Callum's like MC and hosting it and stuff and that was good it was fucking freezing after like being a lovely couple of days so I was down there in shorts like freezing my tits off but um that no, was good just to be able to get out there and, and try some of the new stuff that I've been writing and then we were Saturday out at the bandstand at the Common Portsmouth Common or somewhere down there I think it's South I Sea I think, it is, I think it's South Sea South Sea yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah, so Saturday. Uh, yeah. Down there, so that'll be interesting to see if anyone turns up. Yeah, and if you don't turn up, I'm going to fucking find you. I'm going to find you. 
<laughs> you know? But yeah. Yeah, if nobody turns up, you ain't gonna be able to find anybody, <laughs> Yeah. Like guys, if you're if you're <laughs> Well you're just gonna search for anyone, because it could be everybody. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um one thing I will say guys is that if you are in the area and you want a bit of free comedy, you know, come on down to the South Sea Bandstand this Saturday, you know, for a bit of comedy. But all we ask is that you say that you stay socially distanced because none of us want to get this fucking bastard of a virus. To be fair though, just as a little like caveat to that, if you are fit and female and you want to get close enough to me able to pass it like through saliva, I'm up for that, that's fine. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, obviously uh, Craig and uh, Gavin as also <laughs> fucking hell, fucking hell. Um, but yeah, you've got the Lampoon podcast. Um, at times, it's more reckless <laughs> than me. Um, but yeah, like I say, if you haven't checked out the Lampoon podcast, definitely go check it out. I think. I think currently my favourite episode is the um, Vicky Delirious one. Guys, that one is just borderline reckless. It's funny as fuck. Just go check it out. It's, I can't describe it any better than absolutely fucking hilarious. Yeah, it was mayhem start to finish pretty much. Vicky was, uh, I think Vicky was just glad of some adult company to be honest. She's got a one year old that I think she's just been locked down with for the last couple of months and yeah, I just think we were probably some of the only adults she spoke with to in a while. She didn't shut up, but an hour and a half. Yeah, like, and also, who doesn't want to talk to Craig and Gavin for an hour and a half? Who doesn't want to talk to them for an hour and a half? Exactly. They've got them queuing up. To be fair, we've got some good guests coming on like, in the next few weeks. Funny people, so, yeah, it should be good. Yeah, and... I wouldn't say I'm one of them funny people. I'm just attempting to be funny. But no, no. I, I, I'm looking forward to doing it. I'm looking <laughs> we forward to it. to kill the roster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, literally, when I, I, I can guarantee you, when I come on that show, it's just going to be me saying I, I just copy other famous comedians' material and just hope it doesn't, you know, get spot out that it's not my material. No, mate, we, you know, it, we, Gav has some structure, he actually, you know, your name, how old you are, <laughs> it's not a job interview at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And then depending on what job you're actually going through, it, it, it can sort of be pretty similar to other job interviews later on, when we ask you about blowjob techniques and favourite porn. Brilliant. Okay, so I might have to go through my porn history and write a long list. Yeah, you have to review your porn collection obviously you seem pretty au fait with how your blowjob technique is so that's okay <laughs> oh <fucking laughs> that doesn't need reviewing but your porn collection needs looking over yeah yeah i think that's all the last half of the lampoon podcast is really it's just talking about porn i don't know whether that's was that your idea to start with or was it Gavin's idea to start talking about porn, or did you just decide, fuck it, I'm going to say what I want? Yeah, I think it would give us too much credit to think that we actually planned any of this. Um, it was just a case of we had discussed, because me and Gav just did our own like opening episode just to cover, and we had discussed, or I had discussed, I suppose, um, porn and, and the fact that I was rifling through quite a bit of porn and having to then delve into the deeper, darker elements and categories in Pornhub because there's only so much of the same shit you can watch over and over again. So then we started to the set and Gav mentioned about the fact that you watch porn doesn't really masturbate, which I found weird. And then we have Ben McLaughlin on, who was the same. Didn't really watch porn, didn't really masturbate, which still can't get my head around. Then we had Callum Pryor, who weirdly enough watches pretty vanilla porn. Like he was into like lesbian porn, and um, it didn't really, you know, the lesbian porn that he sent me to review was was, was quite vanilla, just three sisters. 
or supposed sisters and a weird convoluted storyline, which he seemed to like. And then we have Vicky, who um, liked to watch the most violent and aggressive Muslim girl getting her fucking head kicked in and her container, out. which she found enlightening. Um, I don't know. Um, so now we all know that she likes, like, you know, rough porn. And then we had uh, Grant on, who had to plead the fifth because he was still sort of in the house with his ex-wife at the time, so he couldn't really sort of delve into too much. <laughs> Again, I said he said he was pretty sort of vanilla, nothing too outrageous. I think he likes pissing in people's mouths, but he didn't like being pissed on. So that was that was Grant's <laughs> that was Grant's thing. So yeah. Interesting, it's, you know, you get to find out a lot about people by their um, porn cat- category searches. Yeah, um, one of the things uh, I always hear, <laughs> I- I'll say. Weirdly enough, my favourite, my favourite porn hub category search is Kim Nash. Fuck so you! All sorts of weird shit. What the <laughs> fuck? Okay, no, I'll, I'll be honest. I sometimes search myself up on Pornhub just to see if I do actually come up. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I came up when I searched your name. Oh fucking hell! That that actually adds to the um the statement I was just going to say. A lot of people describe you as a sexual deviant. Would you agree with that statement? <laughs> uh, yeah. Like straight up, yeah. No other question. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I was a sexual deviant. I'd I'd put my sexual proclivities in the sense of I um, am just sexually open, I'd say. Hmm, interesting. You know, in the same way when people go, oh, you know, should we get food tonight? And you go, nah, I don't mind, whatever. Go, yeah, but what do you want? You go, ah, whatever, I don't mind. That's what I'm like with sex. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like that with food. If someone, like, says, oh, do you want to get a takeaway? I'm like... Yeah, all right, go on then. And they're like, oh, what do you want? Oh, I don't mind, just give me some wedges or something. And they're like, no, no, is there something specific you want? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck, just get me food. Get me fucking food. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's, that, that was what I was going with. But I'm a bit more adventurous than wedges. <laughs> That's interesting. What's your favourite, like... Takeaway food, if you eat that many takeaways, I don't know. Some people eat more takeaways than others. I, I don't fucking know. My, um, my, my takeaway of choice, I think, would be, would be a dirty kebab. I actually think, um, sober or drunk, I, I do love a kebab. Just a massive, dirty box of spicy meat. I'm a big fan of. And it's probably the one and only time I eat that much fucking salad as well. Um, but in company, I do like a Chinese because I like all the little bits or an Indian, all the little like, nibbly bits. So I'm, I'm, again, very much like my sex life, Kim. I'm open for anything. Interesting. I think for me, for me, when I got drunk on New Year's Eve, my hangover food was um, fish and chips, surprisingly. That cured a hangover. Yeah, fish and chips is a little treat. I love, I love fish and chips. I had fish and chips the other night, actually, but it's a treat dinner for me as a fish and chips because it's so greasy, it kills your stomach, doesn't it? Yeah, I but... Find, um, mm. Fish and chips probably ruins me worse than, than anything. I think with me personally, I prefer sausage and chips over, like, fish and chips. And I'm not saying... I, I, so, someone listening to this We'll probably twist it round because what someone's got a dirty mind in this conversation. And with me saying I prefer sausage over fish, someone's going to twist it round the other way, saying, ha he likes cold. I was just going to say, I, I would assume, yeah, no, I would assume you'd like a jumbo sausage, Kim, and you'd like that sausage to be, you know, as battered as possible. <laughs> 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 God. Let's talk a bit about um, stand-up material i think i don't think we talked about this in last time you were on the show but what jim have you got like notes in front are you like following are you following an agenda have you like got an actual professional written out agenda no (laughs) it's just work with what we can get out of people (laughs) normally normally sorry mate go on to the next question yeah well actually 
normally I have a co-host here, but so obviously I'm having to do it alone at the moment. Oh yeah, I was looking forward to meeting your co-host. What's her name? Ashley. Ashley. Yeah. Is she your girlfriend? No! Buy some flowers and talk to her nicely. Yeah. Dating advice with Craig Parker, ladies and gentlemen. Don't impregnate her in a couple of weeks, though, kid. That fucks it. <laughs> and I take it you've got experience from that, that Craig? That a long-term plan. I take it you've got experience from that? Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's talk a bit about stand-up. Obviously, um, last time you were on the show, we sort of talked a bit about like uh, comedy inspirations. But what got you into comedy? Like, how did your, you know, comedy journey begin? Um, my uh, ex-partner found me very funny and said that I should try stand-up comedy. And it's one of those throwaway comments that you get told, like, you know, here and there in person about different things, and never thought realistically about it until I <clears throat> had an operation on my knee last year, or on my leg last year in June, and was lined up on the couch for like six to eight weeks doing nothing. She bought me a pen and paper and just said, write something, see how you get on. And that was it, so I just wrote, um, just wrote almost like a autobiography, if you like. Um, I uh, read Kevin Hart's book and John Beasley's book. All they say is obviously when it comes to comedy, try and write what you know. So I essentially wrote down some of the funny stories that had happened to me, or some of the funny things, or things that I found funny that had happened to me, or funny things that I'd done. Um, and then just wrote a load of things, and then started to put things together in a story like element um which is pretty much how i like to make my friends laugh by telling stories rather than telling jokes if you like so that was it really i wrote and then i had a look out for open mic nights around banana which are fuck all really and i found the 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 anything funny crowd over at the point theater in eastley and they ran an open mic night once a month but for the other three to four weeks in between the open mics, they would run like a, um, well, like an anything funny, anybody that had spoken word or musical comedy or comedy and they turn up and it's just a writing group essentially. So I turn up there and there was like two or three and now there's like five or six people that are all involved and um, they've been going for a few years and uh, one of the guys there, um, Richard and, uh, Paul Jones were, and and, um, and Nick uh, all are really helpful and I sort of described what I was going to talk about during my first ever five minute set and they gave me some tips and ideas and um, yeah and that was it and I got up and done, done five minutes I joined him in September and I got up and did my first five minutes October 2019 um, Got some laughs, met Ben McLaughlin on the night he was there, my opening night, and Ben was like the seasoned comic who'd you know, been there and done it, and uh, like, even though you're like 21 years old, I still sort of deferred to him as like the senior comic, and called me over and gave me some nice uh, nice feedback, and said I was funny and I should keep up with it, and blah, 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 and then gave me some ideas about getting in touch with different promoters. I've got in touch with uh, PM Promotions down in the Dolphin and Solo Comedy. So there was uh, Perry and, and Mike at PM Promotions, Dan Churchley at Solo Comedy and Dan Stevens. And, and that was it. And just started to go out and do a shit ton of, of gigs as much as I possibly could and wrote and wrote and wrote. And did, you know, I've got tons and tons of uh, material on that now. So... Yeah, that was it, really. I just wrote uh, almost after every good gig. I don't know how you do it, Kim, but almost after every good gig, when I'm buzzing, I will try and write some more. Yeah, yeah, with so me, like, yeah, with me, when I have a good gig, I'm sort of like, while well, I'm in that sort of adrenaline zone, I'm sort of like, in my head, even when I'm doing the gig, like when I'm up there at the mic, I'm sort of going, even if I get the tiniest laugh on the joke, I'll go, all right, this works, I know this works. 
if a joke goes bad, I'm like, okay, that, that clearly doesn't work. Maybe it needs a few tweaks, you know? And then by the end of the night, I will probably end up coming home and start writing some like draft ideas. So, so for some of my stuff, I put maybe, so when I've done a gag about maybe being the eldest in a flat, in a sibling line of eight, I've gone sibling responsibilities. I just put them down as notes. I just put <laughs> sibling responsibilities. Um, and then like the unisex joke, like the unisex gag I do, I just put multi-use name. And it just goes from there, really. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. So I just sort of ride. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just ride with it. Go on, kid. I, I was just saying, you know, just ride with it. That's it, yeah. Just ride the bus, didn't you? Yeah. Um, a lot of the comedians that you mentioned, I've... Um, we, me and Craig, I'm just going to say to audience out there, we've done quite a few gigs together now. And I can normally predict what he's normally going to yeah. say. Normally, it involves pegging. Normally. <laughs> I've, got one, I've got one set that involves pegging. But it's fucking funny. Yeah, the, the pegging material is always like... It sort of knocks people down in a way. Because, like, you got... You know, you got these people who have seen you before. Who, who know the joke is coming. And then you've got those who've never seen you before. And then you just freaking throw pegging at them. And it's just like, <laughs> half the time, they're sort of thrown back like, fucking hell, who knew pegging could be so funny? <laughs> and and I, can, I can probably guarantee that a lot of those, after you do the pegging joke, will actually go home and probably do some pegging. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, everyone's up for a little finger bum wank now and again. It's just a little, you know, it's just a step up from that, really, isn't it? Yeah. Milking the prostate. I'm sure you've done that, Kim. Um, I'm not going to discuss that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about, you know... <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Kim. Move on. Right, let's move on. Right, okay. Um, so, you say, you know, you start... What's your writing, sort of... How do you first start off with like an idea about writing? Are you the sort of comedian that will, you know, write stuff on post-it notes and have like something on like a big wall leading to an idea? Or do you just, you know, write down, as you say, in story mode? How do you start to get the idea for a gag? I um, just try to write into my phone. So if something funny happens to me or if I hear something funny or do something funny, uh, I write that down in my phone. And then went to look at it later, and then try and put that funny, either that funny thing I said or funny thing I've, I've done or got involved with. I try and put that into a scenario um, so you can talk about it. So the pegging story, for example, uh, wasn't I think sort of the way that I tell the pegging story isn't about how I found out you know that my friend likes pegging. I didn't find out the full story all in one hit. It was like bits and pieces, and as it sort of slowly, because it's a truth, it came to to light. As I slowly found out more about it, I just added to that whole story element, and then obviously put in the, um, you know, the whole story around um, the girl, and you know, she's coming out of the divorce, and and how, just how people who have these weird not weird, but have, have these sexual fetishes and how they, how they talk about them. Like, I've always been fascinated by how people meet each other, um, you know, and I imagine it's forums and have weird places, but how these people that have these um, sexual desires and sexual fantasies, how they end up with people that either enable them or, or work with them or encourage them or, or go with it, you know, and it's, it's just that... That thing, you know, it's a whole, like, when you look at Kylie Minogue, Kylie Minogue was banging Michael Hutchins at one point. Michael Hutchins gets caught having a strangle wank and, you know, obviously kills himself by accident. But he must have been into that. That must have been a thing he was into. Now, did he do that with Kylie? Did he have Kylie strangling him whilst he was masturbating? Like, I'm, I'm fascinated by that, how people, you know, 
people find out or how they feel comfortable enough to sort of say to whoever they're meeting, by the way, I want you to put a massive strap on and fuck me in the ass. Like, how does that come up? Interesting. So that was how the story came about. Interesting. Um, next question, I think, is um, what's, what's your favourite joke sort of thing? Is there, I would like any joke, so that could be maybe one of your own. What might? Or, you know, one of your own or someone else's. Ah, um, I don't know really. There's, cause I'm a, I'm a, I suppose there's a lot of comics out. We're we're comedy fans, aren't we? So we're fans of like all sorts of um, different comedians, and obviously they have their different types of jokes. Um, Peter Kay always makes me laugh. Tom Segura always makes me laugh. Um, Ricky Gervais, and they they've got different ways of making you laugh and it's not necessarily um it's not necessarily a joke that will make you laugh it's the story or um you know the, the sort of the context of the story like Ricky Gervais talking about telling um telling terrible jokes at the wrong time he talks I think it's in the latest one Humanity I'm not entirely sure but he talks about um being at a dinner party talks about telling a joke that's very inappropriate when he talks about the little girls at the park and she comes home and says to the dad like dad I was at the park with some friends of mine and I spoke to a man who asked my friends to leave and he asked me to stay there and the, and the dad's like god this is really serious he puts his paper away and he says it's okay no matter what happens you know you're perfectly safe and it wasn't your fault just tell me what, what's happened and she says well he, he started to kiss me and dad's like oh, right okay it's okay, you carry on, you carry on telling me, and then we went behind a bush, it's like, okay, it's perfect, don't worry, it's all about you, tell your dad it's fine. It says, and then he, he took my top off, and he he got his thing out, and my dad's like, oh, this is terrible, like, okay, you know, just, and then what happened? And it says, well, um, nothing, and the dad goes, oh, fucking make something up, and that, Ricky Gervais telling that story and the way that Ricky Gervais tells that story I find fucking hilarious but the joke itself is obviously fucking terrible which is Ricky Gervais' whole thing but that that you know just makes me fucking laugh my ass off and then you've got Tom Segura who talks about how he talks to women and women are saying you know I'm I'm just as horny as men and he goes really? You think that? And she's like yeah yeah I'm as horny as men and he goes on to tell this story about you know, where the, the sort of lengths he's on pornography and, you know, he's gone into a, like, a, just a completely grey, non-discreet building to buy filth and there's a guy behind the counter who's like, there's a hole in the wall over there, stick $10 in there, somebody's going to, and you, you stick your dick in that, that hole, somebody's going to suck your dick. And he's like, oh, is it a girl? And he's like, yeah, I. Oh. He's like, women aren't. Women won't go to those lengths to satisfy their sexual urges. So no woman will be as like no woman can say I'm as horny as a man. So just won't go to the same lengths. And I just find that you know I find that hilarious. But it's different people tell it differently. So I don't think I could say to answer your question in short after eight long fucking minutes of rambling. No, I don't have a favourite joke. I've said this so many times on this show. I'm always getting called B-Tech Tim Minchin. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck anymore. At first, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm copying someone else's material. But in the end, it's just like, you know what? I, I think someone said to me at that gig where I got heckled, they're like, yeah, he's copying someone else's joke. But if he likes that joke so much that he wants to do it, he can he can do it. It's, it's, it's his 10 minutes. He can do what he wants, in a way. Yeah, it was Sam, so Sanjay, because obviously you um, disappeared for like the 10 minutes when Sanjay was that way. But what Sanjay was saying was that it was very difficult to stand up in front of people and, you know, speak publicly. And therefore, you add the added element of trying to make those people laugh as well. You 
it's, it's quite a brave decision. Now, if you feel the need to stand up there and just to repeat somebody else's joke, you know it's funny because you've seen them do it. If that's what helps you get up and get into a flow of doing it, get used to speaking in public, then it's fine. That was his thing. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. He wasn't condoning stealing somebody else's joke. He was saying that at this level, it doesn't actually matter. I'll admit, as a comedian, I'm not the best. I, I've always said that. Even from the start, I've been like, look, I'm just doing open mics, you know. Loads of people have said to me, oh, you're so brave when you're up there. And I'm like, no, I'm not. As soon as I get to that mic stand and I grab the mic, I'm shaking me freaking mind. And it's weird. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is, it is nerve-wracking. You know, um, yeah, you know, so you've got to admire, it's the same as, you know, you don't matter how like shit a boxer looks in the ring, it's still a brave man that steps in that ring and has a fight. It's it's still, it takes an element of courage to get out there and speak in front of people. And public speaking is, is a lot of people's biggest fear, isn't it? So, yeah, I think you get a lot of plaudits just, just for being able to get up there and do it. Um, yeah, and I think, like I say, this is where reading... Like Kevin Hart, for example, Kevin Hart was was a very funny person and he was the funny person in his group and he writes about, you know, just being funny and he'd get up and he would, he could be funny, but then his mentor um, would say, cold out for long and just be a shtick and then eventually you just need to sort of start to talk about um, what you know and therefore when you're talking, it's more comfortable and they sound different almost every time I tell them as it, as it does with every story that anybody tells but the general premise is always the same yeah like I think going back to like favourite jokes my favourite joke of my own that I've done is the unisex joke because the story behind it is just it, it just it literally just came to me while on my way to a gig I was on my way to um, the Cronks Comedy Club in Croydon and I, it just popped in my head. I went, hold on, my name's unisex, you know? And then I just added the bits of, I don't go to uni and I don't get much sex. And the first time I use it, people quite enjoy it. And I'm like, all right, I've got a gig the next night up at the Kings, I'll, I'll give it another shot. And it, a lot of people say it's actually a pretty good joke because it, it's just taking the simple thing of having a unisex name and just adding a slight bit of comic timing to it in a way yeah yeah i think you should make it more realistic though kim and instead of using the word much just say none like no at our level certainly we're not choosing your audience the audience certainly aren't choosing us nobody's looking at a bill and going oh fucking hell kim um kim nash and craig parker are on there i fucking love these guys i'm gonna go and see it and that ain't happening people just turn that to an open comedy night and we just so happen to be the comedians that are on the bill. And, um, you know, you could be on there. And there's a load of, you know, 60-year-old women who, you know, don't want to hear about Suicide Island and um, you know, rape jokes and happy feet, tiny feet, whatever your poem is. Yeah. And they just won't find that funny. But that doesn't mean that isn't funny because then there's another audience at another venue you know, and it's 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and that stuff's fucking hilarious to them. So, yeah, I never try and take a bad a bad gig as, like, a, you know, a kick in the tits and say, well, this is, this is it. I'm not funny. I mean, I've never had, I've never had a bad gig yet, obviously, because I'm fucking hilarious. It doesn't matter what my demographic is. Fucking nail it. But I'm assuming at some point it'll happen, and then I'll be like, well, fair enough. It's the audience fault, not mine. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to create, distribute, post and monetize your podcast. And what's better, it's 100% free. So head on over to anchor.fm today. Gills the Artist is back with an all new single, The Island. This song is for anyone missing the theme parks during this pandemic or anyone who wants a true banger. The Island can be found on all major streaming platforms including iTunes and Spotify. And while you're there, go check out Ez House Remix and the Arch Nemesis Remix. The Island by Dills the Artist. Out now. Hey yo, Dills. Spin my head like Colossus. My guest spot when I spin it like that. Come with the heat, 
like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by following us on Twitter. Our handle is at reckless underscore comedy. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So we thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. Yeah, that's that's what sometimes goes through my head when I'm at a gig. Some things that will go through my head are sort of, I'm just going to go up there, do my set. If they, if they like the joke, then that's good for them. And even if they don't like it, you know, like all they have to do, you know, it's, I don't, I, in a way, I don't care what the audience think. Sometimes I'm just sort of like, you know, half of them are pissed out their head anyway, mm. you know. Half of them are pissed out their head. They're probably not going to remember it in the morning. But, you know, like going back to where you say, oh, maybe uh, Kim Nash and Craig Parker on the bill. Sometimes you get stuff like that where people have never heard of you before at open mics and they just turn up. And most of the time, those people who had never heard of you before will end up coming to more gigs that you end up being on the lineup for, which has happened to me a couple of times. You know? Yes. Yeah. Oh. That's, that, that, yeah, that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> Thought you went quiet, then you went really quiet, and I'm like, "What's Craig doing? What's he doing?" Well, I mean, it, it wasn't formed as a as a question, and so I didn't really know how to answer. So yes, you are right. Yeah. And that's how you'll build up a fan base eventually, isn't it? You've got to do as many gigs as you possibly can. People get to know your name. They'll be like, "Yeah, he's funny," or "I sort of know what his stuff is going to be like. I know what I'm in for." I think something, a good question to ask people is, um, do you, do you think stage presence is, it's hard for me to say this because I always get told, oh, you always have a, you have a good stage presence considering the level you're at. Do you, do you think people judging your stage presence is important as a comedian or do you think it's just good to have a good stage presence? I think it adds, I think it definitely adds stage presence um because it engages people and then they they listen more to what you're saying um but i wouldn't necessarily say it's the be or an end all i wouldn't um i think obviously it's the content one of the i've i admittedly have watched comics where i think i'm not gonna like this person just by the way they look uh, and then they've won me over with their humour and the things they've done or, or whatever it is they've said. Um, and vice versa, I've I've seen people and I think, ah, this person's great stage presence, and then their entire set is dog shit. So I think it's it, you need an element of both. When, whenever I'm on stage, I always the way I portray myself on stage is the small, sort of the stereotypical nervous guy who's never done anything like this before. And a lot of the time... That is what's going through my head as soon as I pick up that mic. It's like I've never picked it up before. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm very, um, see, I'm very confident just as a person. Not in the sense of like I think everything I do is is amazing. I just um, I don't know if it's really confidence to be honest. I just don't really care. So standing up and talking to people and telling jokes and things like I'm not. Uh, not overly worried or overly anxious um, about it going well or anything like that. I always go with these sort of assumptive optimism that everything's going to be great and I'm really funny. Um, you know, and I just think, well, it's all going to go fine. So I don't overly sort of analyse that type of thing. Talk about the Lampoon brand. Obviously, it started off as a... Um What's the best way to describe it? Open mic night. Um, so how did the idea of that come along? Like, what's whose idea was it? Was it yours or was it Gavin's or was it just a sort of joint idea? Uh, so the idea of putting a comedy, an open night, an open mic night on in Southampton was both mine and Gav's. Um, and we obviously lamented the fact that there, you know, there ain't, comedy on, especially in Southampton Town Centre, there's not open mic comedy, it's all pro nights. Um, and we're travelling to Chichester or Brighton, Portsmouth, 
you know, all over the shop. And yeah, we, we said, that let's put something on. Gab went and had a look um, at the Mayflower and nailed it almost on the, you know, that was the first venue he visited, um, which was across the way from his work. So it's the Mayflower Village pub right next to the Mayflower Theatre in the middle of town. And it's got this like massive basement stage area bar and it was perfect. Um, and then from there, you know, Gab's the marketing genius. He came up with the name Lampoon. He came up with um, the, uh, the the first poster, which was the Jaws poster, but instead of Jaws, it's the microphone coming up to the lady swimmer. Um, and then, yeah, we, we all just brainstormed together. Um, I've got, obviously, I've, I've, I'm pretty good in terms of the networking element, though. Um, I'm on a bill with a load of comics or the promoter or friends of comics and stuff like that on Facebook. I'm connecting with them and saying hello and I'm chatting and I'm trying to comment on their stuff and be funny on Facebook and all that bollocks. Um, so it was easy to get a load of lineups almost immediately. We were booked from March right away through till August. We were saying September bookings for the comics. Um, so... I thought we handled that and, and sort of handled the um, uh, organising of that thing. Gav did all the marketing and merchandising and he's great, he's, you know, perfect at graphic designing and, and then we started to have ideas around Alien and E.T. and the posters and that that were going to be coming out advertising and that's where we're outstanding. Um, and the venue were very supportive and they've got a few other pubs and so... Yeah, we just wanted to get rough, and obviously we only ran that one fucking night, and it was, it was standing room only, 60-odd people down there, it was perfect, and, um, you know, long may that continue, and I, I think what we'll end up doing is almost when we come back off lockdown, doing a weekly night, or doing a few other nights at the other pubs, and got different venues, and, you know, we have enough comedians that we can put six to eight comedians on almost every night of the week, essentially. We could run it in different venues every night of the week and it worked really well. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot. We've got a lot of plans for the future. I'm, I'm uh, obviously, like, ambitious in the sense of just very optimistic and just assume it'll all go perfectly well and, you know, we'll eventually pick up, um, you know, some decent money from it and this will be our full-time job. We'll just start running comedy venues and, you know, in 10 years, we'll have the premier comedy venue in Southampton. You know, the Southampton Lampoon will be up in lights and, you know, we'll have a shit ton of promotional stuff happening. And, yeah, obviously we've got our podcast and, yeah, we're looking to run a road show, maybe festivals and then we've got all sorts of ideas. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the podcast. Like, what could we see our... Uh, have you got plans to continue the podcast once lockdown ends or is it just a case of the podcast will run until lockdown ends and the lampoon opens up again? No, we're going to carry on running it. Um, it's just a lot of fun. It's just brilliant. And obviously there's a, you know, there is a, there's an endless supply of uh, amateur wannabe comedians uh, or sort of semi-pros or new pro comedians that we can get on and it's, you know, it is impressive. I know, uh, you know, I sort of fuck about and it goes a bit sort of filth and do lally a bit in the end, but uh, the structure is, you know, we find out about them and how they got started in comedy and how they sort of progressed in comedy and um, how, you know, they see comedy going in the future and there is a lot of information that we get out of them and it is very interesting everybody has a different point of view everybody's got a different standpoint and a lot of it's very an incestuous sort of industry so everybody knows everybody um and you know and a lot, there's a lot of name dropping going around and we're trying to piece all these people so you know um grant allen have been mentioned a few times we've got grant on and um we've got uh isaac hp on uh, on Wednesday, who has been stitches? I'm not sure. Do you, do you do TikTok, Kim? Is TikTok a thing? I know you're a young person. Is TikTok for you? 
nah, nah, I, I, I can't stand it. Like, I wouldn't even want... I, originally, I wanted to do it, but I'm just sort of like, nah, nah, I can't be arsed. <laughs> TikTok, he's got, you know, a thousand uh, followers or, or something like that, whatever it's called on TikTok. So he's, he's built up quite a big following in, in just like a matter of weeks of lockdown and stuff. And I, I find Isaac, personally, I find him hilarious. Well, I've seen him a few times doing his stand-up. And like you, you watch his TikToks, and you know he's arguing with these people that are leaving comments on his um, on his TikTok videos, and just has me in stitches. Like, you know, I'm a grown man, I'm a 38 year old father of four, and the shit that he talks about just has me in absolute stitches. So I'm looking forward to him coming on. Um, we've got guys on. We've got a guy on who used to write sketches for Mitchell and Webb. Um, we got a guy coming down from, so he, he moved down from London. He's now living in Pompey, Marcus Tissot. Uh, Marcus runs the, um, uh, like a mental health charity. He, he runs like a mental health awareness um, charity event and things like that. He's a very interesting guy. Um, with Dan Stevens, who's obviously uh, runs a few of the local nights. Dan Churchley, who's a promoter. Few of the local. We've got all these guys sort of lined up and, um, Capriella, Capriella Hooper, his uh, wife coming on. There's, there's loads. You know, we've got such a diverse group of people that are coming on, and you learn so much about these people and where they started, why they started, uh, what drives them, where they see themselves, and you know, these people are younger and they're older, and um, you know, all sorts of different types of backgrounds and different interests. And their comedy styles are all very different. Yeah, I love all that shit. So, yeah, the podcast will carry on, I think, for, for the time being. Well, for as long as we can, really. Yeah. Um, so... What about you, Kim? Will you keep this one? Yeah. Um, I think, for me personally, yeah, we're going to... Uh, definitely, for for the time being, and maybe into the start of lockdown, right now, we've got this show running for the rest of its first season, which I do believe the final episode we've got planned in the calendar is due to come out on Christmas Eve. And then we, if we want to continue it again in 2021, we'll take a two week break to have Christmas and new years to focus on that. And then after that, but yeah, at the moment we, we're going to continue it for the rest of the year up until Christmas. And then we'll sort of look back on it towards the end of the year and sort of go, all right, do we want to do another season? Cool. Um, but yeah, a lot of people about it like it's um, like an American TV show. I was going to do another season. We'll have a little break over Christmas, and we're back for season two. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 really the plan. I think really is do the rest of season one, see what the feedback is over the rest of season one, and after the last episode, and then maybe put like a vote out, say like if who wants to see season two. Which at the moment, for me personally, I would love to do a have season. You, have you got guests? Have you got? Yeah. Um, so have you got guests on right away after Christmas? We're working on. We've got guests at the moment booked up until I want to say at the moment. Good thing about my co-host is she's got a lot of contacts, so she she's got a backup list for us. Um, so we hope we've got. I'd say we've got some booked until maybe September, but we're all. I'm still scouting for people even now, and I just say to them, "Oh, we'll try and slot you in." Obviously, we do the odd bonus episode every so often to try and keep the flow going. Um, saying that, with Lampoon, do you have um, plans to maybe do another double feature? Because I think I think that went down quite well. The double feature episode. Uh, yeah, it will happen. Yes. Yeah, Obviously, you don't want to do these things too often because it just becomes a norm then, doesn't it? But, yeah, we'll we'll probably throw another double feature in again soon. Uh, we did it with Graham because Graham was going away for a few weeks. So um, we just sort of squeezed him in and we wanted to get him on the back of the, the um, Vicky episode because uh, Ben had mentioned Graham and Vicky had mentioned Graham. So getting Graham on sort of had that kind of... Uh, momentum where he'd been name dropped a few times and 
have you ever done a gig with Brand before, Kim? Yes, yeah, because oh, we you did, did, you did yeah, Kings, with me, you? yeah, we did Kings, and he was there. We had quite a biggish audience when we started, but by the end of the first half, they had all fucked off. Yeah, I was the last one on, and I got like they were they were a really good crowd as well. They were like were just laughing, they were getting involved in everything. It was really funny. Um, that's probably the best set I've ever done. Um, just went down really well. Everybody was laughing. Um, Grant told a story on our podcast on Sunday about his mom uh, laughing at the the dildo being read through the gag. You know, made him laugh and it made his dad look at his mom a bit funny. So well, and I was buzzing afterwards. And then we had the break. We cut back after the break, and the crowd had fucked off. And yeah. then the rest of the second half was just playing to the comedians. I'll be honest, I do enjoy like doing a gig where it's just the comedians because it, it, it just has a different atmosphere compared to when you do a do a gig with an audience. It, I don't mind performing to other comics if they are maybe new comics that I haven't done the set in front of before because comics are, you know, we remember jokes quite well and, you know, you... You want to laugh, because that's the point of being there. And if you've seen a joke before and you know what's coming, it's very difficult to um, to sort of muster up uh, a decent laugh. But you don't want to let the comedian down, so you sort of have to you have to snigger a little bit just to give a little bit out there, a bit of volume to the, the sound, because that's what we feed on as comics. You know, you want to hear that sort of tittering and that laughter, and that's what feeds you on. And so even if you know jokes are coming in, it's no longer catching you and making you laugh spontaneously, you still kind of feel obliged to throw a little laugh out there just because you know it is funny, but it's just not catching you in the same way as it, it should do or it does when you first hear it. But whenever whenever there's a comedian in the room that I know I've done so many gigs with before and I'm doing a joke that I know sometimes gets them, I will physically look them in the eye and say, you know what's coming. And then everyone else in the room is like, oh, fuck, what's he about to say? Sort of thing. And it, I love doing that. Like, just sort of dragging the other comics into it if they know what joke's about to come. Because most of the time, my set is nearly pretty much the same every time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I see the benefit of it. Um, I think that one of the things you've sort of said you know what's coming, Craig, don't spoil it. And then you went and told your rape joke. I was like, Aaron, please don't associate me with that rape joke. <laughs> no. Yeah, whenever I do gigs, I always say, like, you know, because you go to some gigs and they're like, oh, where do you want to be in like the build? Do you want to be first half or second half? And I'm like, my personal preference is towards the end of the second half. Tired or pissed out there. <laughs> what's your personal preference? Yeah, see, I don't. Um, I obviously think I should be the headliner every time because... You know, I'm fucking nervous, but I don't really mind, to be honest. I don't have a, um, I don't think I, I'm, I'm not, you know, but I think if I'm an opener, the trouble is, because my set is, um, fiddled for, most, for the most part, um, it kind of, if somebody's then coming on next and doing, you know, jokes that aren't, um, that at that level, so the audience really likes that sort of joke. Um, it sets the tone, and if the tone of the next few comps coming on isn't similar, it kind of takes a little bit out of the room, which is very difficult with open mic nights. If the promoters don't know the comics that are on, obviously, if it's new comics and people coming on, then it's very difficult to sort of set them up in a set of you know, four and then four or three and three, however many you've got on, and try to build it because you want a good opener and a good closer for each half. Um, so, yeah, it's really difficult to um, to call it. So I'm not fussed. I know maybe I like to close maybe a first half, I suppose. And normally, when I do Eastleigh, I'm normally in the first half. But when I do gigs everywhere else, I just literally arrive at the venue and say to them, most of the time, I'll go. I don't. I don't care where you put me. You can put me on before maybe a new guy or after a really 
sort of semi-pro sort of guy. I don't, I don't, I don't care a lot of the time, but there are some gigs where I'd prefer to be in the second half. Yeah, it depends on the venue, doesn't it? Yeah, I think with um with the Cronks down in um Croydon, which is a brilliant venue, uh, run by Nicolay, absolutely, uh, he runs it absolutely brilliantly. You you can normally get where you ask for in in the lineup. You know, it's always a case of you know Nicolay will come up to you and say, "Oh, do you mind swapping places with such and such?" and you know, gigs like that, it feels very sort of down to earth, if you know what I mean. It feel it feels really personal. So you're sort of like, all right, yeah. And a lot of the time there's there's gigs where comedians will end up talking to each other, sort of like, Oh, do you want to go on first? And it's like, No, 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 you go first. No, you go first, you go first, and it's like you're back and forth like that. Yeah, Nicolay, he, um, his missus went into labour on the day I did the cronk, so he, I didn't get to meet him. But um, I met Ginny, Ginny Chang, I think her name is. Uh, she was the MC for the night. Um, oh, she was, she was great. Um, yeah, there were a few different. But yeah, I, I didn't get to meet Nicolay, but hopefully, yeah, go up to do it again sometime. But it's a good gig. It's a nice venue. Yeah, it's a weird... It, Basement venues are always weird one because it echoes so much, and I think that helps to when the audience genuinely burst out with laughter. It sounds a lot louder than it actually is. <laughs> yeah, you need one person laughing. It sounds like twenty. Yeah, it's one of them things, you know. And I, I, I don't know if it's that sort of same atmosphere with um when you do the lampoon. Obviously, I haven't done the lampoon because obviously commitments clashed. I don't know if it's the same sort of atmosphere, you know, one one or two laughs sounds a hell of a lot louder than it should, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think um, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't similar to the other way around. So where it wasn't, where there wasn't any laughter, it was, that was deafening, it was quiet. So you can ask Gav about him dying on his ass and bombing as the opening act for our very own Lampoon open comedy night, and he fucked it up by trying to do a whole new set that just wasn't practiced or rehearsed or or any good, and he fucking forgot everything, and he died on his ass. It was so... Everybody was nervous because it was such a big crowd. It was all packed in. It was quite a tight crowd. And, um, yeah, I think just the, uh, the lack of laughter, <laughs> the lack of laughter fucking killed him. And... Um, he fucking nailed every gig he'd done before that, not with this set, and he just changed his set and did this whole new set with props and all sorts that he didn't tell anyone he was going to do, and he just, he fucking, he's reminding him of it, but it's your wife, I can fucking hear you now, Kim, as well ask me. Oh, bollocks. Okay, right, okay. Uh, is it still recording, or, oh yeah, it has, okay. Okay, so, the final question for you, Craig, is, um, well, you brought it up. What's your favourite Pornhub video? Oh, there's so many. I think my, my absolute favourite all-time Pornhub video is Sasha Gray and her, um, Sasha Gray's gangbang. We're going to start wrapping up now because we've been trying to record this for the last <laughs> night. We've been trying to record this for the last 90 minutes. So, um... Yeah, uh, this has been... I like it, mate. Yeah, it's funny. It's always funny when it goes wrong because it adds to the reckless part of the comedy on the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's go into the intro... Uh, outro, fucking hell. We starting again. Fuck my mother. Anyway. Um, <laughs> not again. No, not again. <laughs> okay. Okay, so this has been uh, episode six of the Reckless Comedy Podcast. I want to give a big thank you to um, <laughs> to Craig for um, coming on to the show, despite all the technical hitches here and there. But hopefully they'll be resolved for episode seven. Who got on episode seven, Kim? Uh, can't fucking remember. Excellent. Well, it's only next week. 
Yeah. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I'm just going to ask Craig to sort of promote himself, uh, where you can find him on social media. Uh, so, yeah. Tell them where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at uh, parks underscore comedy 81. And that is on uh, Instagram. Or just search up The Lamp YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, websites and all sorts. And uh, yeah, come and watch us. Uh, yeah, come and watch us do some shit. It's funny. Podcast The Lampoon is very hilarious. Yeah, come along. Yeah, and once again, I will say, if you are in the Waterloo, the Waterlooville area on Thursday, uh, there is a gig. There is a comedy gig down at the precinct, run by um, Pirate Comedy, set up by Callum. Uh, obviously, I I'm at that gig, so come see me and say hi. Um, but also, come down to the South Sea uh, Bandstand on Saturday, where you will... See what I personally think is probably the best lineup of comedy I've seen in quite a while. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, because you've got Gavin and Craig on the same lineup. Yes, man, it's gonna be fun. Hey. Yeah. So uh, this has been episode six of the Reckless Comedy Podcast. I've been Kim Nash. I have been joined by the brilliant Craig Parks Parker, and um, I shall see you all next week. For episode 7, where hopefully we won't have as many technical issues. Fingers crossed. <laughs> no worries, mate. Take care of yourself, Kim. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, see ya.